Welcome to the Aboisi Wine Buzz Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Clinton Lee. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Aboisi Wine Buzz. It is with huge pleasure that I am going to introduce you to rather enigmatic character, personality, and his name is Klaas de Jong. Now, Klaas, you are one of those um, characters that really exudes cinematic screen. And for that particular reason, would you introduce yourself to our listeners, please? Hmm. Well, I am a class of obviously, and um, I the last 20 years I was a film producer. And before that, I was uh, 15 years in, as a music manager. And I had an agency, and and before that, I was a technician, electronics. I studied electronics, and um, I had, I like to do a lot of things myself. So um, I'm not a typical film producer. I'm 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 involved in everything. I like that. Yes, you are definitely not what they would call a typical uh, film producer. You love to have your hands on all the way from the technical aspect right up to the financing, which is really quite unusual. So, Klaus, how did you get into the world of filmmaking? Well, that became, uh, that happened because uh, one of my bands, uh, where I started when I was very young, became, uh, they had a very big hit in Holland, and it was a song for a movie. Oh, Uh, you're a musician uh, as well. Yeah, no, I'm not a musician. I was, I was in that period uh, the manager, and the, I did directing some things in the sound, in the in the in the venues, and then we became a number one hit. And then the the director of that film said, "Okay, I I need a producer for my for the next film. Can you be? Can you do that for me? Because I uh, I'm not so good at it." And uh, okay, I said, "Okay, let's do it." It's a quite nice experiment and. Half year later, I was a producer, <laughs> <laughs> and and so it really was fate that uh, brought you in, into this world of stories and film. Yeah, but um, what happened is after the first film, we made a more serious film. Uh-huh. Then I start developing the scripts with the writers. It was more uh, I liked that. It. it was more my thing than the than the director and. Yeah, and and on and on and on. It went uh, with over time. It, 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 it get, yes, as people do, it make you get better at it. And a certain moment in two thousand and five, I decided to stop with with the music and theater and uh, and focus on um, on the filming. So it's not so long ago. And uh, yeah, so it happened. And then we get one film after the other, and so it was very busy. That's that's remarkable. Now you know, class. You've been described as a cultural entrepreneur. Can you share with us this badge that has attached itself to you? And what does it really mean? A cultural entrepreneur? Yeah, yeah I think in, the, in, all, in, all, in all business, in all, in all creative business, you have people that are focusing only on the creative side, like artists or actors or whatever. Uh-huh. But I also, it was my whole life entrepreneur. I had electronics business and after later I had this agency so 
you have to be an entrepreneur also, as well. So you you have to make uh, yeah you have you are entrepreneur or not. I cannot explain. It's something you are or not. But you are literally for law. You are an entrepreneur. Yes. So I cannot go away because it's my responsibility. You know, it's my that's that makes you an entrepreneur. But but I have also a creative side. That's the the other. So I have both a little bit probably. I'm not the best entrepreneur. I'm not the best artist. I'm not an artist, but uh, you know, I have both little bit of these skills, and that makes I think, think the difference. I think you're being very modest, class. I think <laughs> you're being very modest indeed. You know, you are known and you're highly respected in your craft as a film producer. You've produced movies like Tuscan Wedding, Loving Ibiza, and of course, The Admiral. Now you've produced over close to 40 movies. What energized you to move and switch to wine movies? Oh, well, there was a nice story, uh, I think, five years ago. We were filming on Ibiza, and we were talking, um, I was talking with someone that was also, why is there no wine content? There's so much content about food, because I, I, I love food and wine and content about that, and there's no, no wine content. So we started discussing Maybe we should do something in that direction. And now I know why it's not on television, but I'll tell you later. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but at that time, I didn't know. And so we developed some 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 ideas. And um, and a year later, I was on a film festival in Berlin. And we, as, as always, we had dinner and uh, with some producers. And really we, uh, you are invited sometimes. And most of the time, I could choose wine, but there was now an American guy that could, uh, could choose the wine and he, he ordered a kind of fancy Chardonnay from Napa. Uh-huh. And, um, then a waiter came and uh, he said that we have a very crisp uh, Chablis and I think it matches well with this year where you're getting you know, but we have. And then this American guy said, no, you want to have Chardonnay. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, and then I then I came on the and that's in the same period uh, Chef Table became popular so that was a kind of format without a host and uh, more cinematic format and I thought oh maybe you should do something in that direction because that is something we understand uh, making films and it's different it's different than TV shows and uh, you're not depending on an, on a on a on a host so you can do what you want and. So I thought, okay, let's do that. And let's start with a series to explain where the most famous grapes are originated. originated. And uh, so we started to make a, a documentary series for fun. And uh, okay, that's what we did. And uh, we launched it at some platforms and we got quite fast. We got, we got some recognition about this. And then I thought, oh, this is nice. And maybe we can do another show, <laughs> another season. So... So that's how it uh, happened. And two years ago, before COVID, uh, we, we thought, okay, maybe it's nice to have an, an OTT channel. But then we need more shows. We cannot do, do only one show. So we developed three other shows. And then came COVID and uh, the, the normal movie uh, business was uh, finished. <laughs> Still is. So we started uh, to make of a kind of advanced, a kind of, we took advantage of COVID in the right way because everyone was available. We were available. Right. <laughs> so, we started, so we started producing with our small team because you have to know the, the wine thing. We do with a super small team on four or five people. And while well, filming is, is 
big a lot of it's a, a lot of money burning going on so this we do very small i financed all myself so you, then you have to take care that you only spend money on things on screen absolutely so COVID gave us time to uh, to hurry up and now uh, we have four series and three are published partly and the fourth uh, will be published uh, in a few months Right, right. I mean, I, I, I'm fascinated um, with um, your, your series, uh, class, because, you know, you mentioned there hasn't been many wine movies, certainly a TV series. And as you mentioned, uh, you would tell us a little bit later why that, why that is so. Ask any young wine student or any aficionado of wine, and they'll mention uh, movies like um, Bottle Shark, uh, Sideways. Uh, they'll also mention perhaps movies like Somme uh, more recently, but those are really uh, fixed on a particular category. And as um, the executive director of Apwazi, when we created our courses, it was very important that we inculcate and bring together the culture and the history of the wine and the regions and the people. And we have that in our material. So that really was immensely interesting for me at a personal level. Now, you have moved into this uh, space. It's a particular niche market. And uh, I would say you're a, a pioneer taking it to the level that you have. Now, you recently, you, you held an interview called Let's Talk About Wine with Murray Gay. And uh, that was published at the end of December in 2020. And you mentioned, we'll be producing soon a fast style filming program that will talk about the cultural and political aspect of a country by wine people. Could you tell us a little bit more about that and why that's important to you? No, well, it was the fourth show. What I said that will be published. The first episodes will be published soon because we are finishing it now. Uh -huh. This show is not so whiny. It's more for a wide, wider audience. And well, we did the Wine Masters class series, the the, the, the wine course. And one of our hosts was uh, Peter Richards, and we started talking in the evening about this kind of thing. And he 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 already already did ten years of wine entertainment in uh, on the BBC, and he he's more. Um, He's more, almost more a, a presenter than a whiny, uh, because he likes that very much. So we start discussing about what can we do. You know, if you do a documentary about, I was already. In, 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 let's let's go back. Sure, when you let's do, go back. When, when we do do a documentary, like say on Sauvignon Blanc in Sancerre uh, or, or in, in France, then it's quite clear. You have old families. The, 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 there's a there's a great story behind it. It's originated from there, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm -hmm. The moment we want to have to do that same concept, like this, this cinematic series, you would do that on any place in New Zealand, by example. Then you don't have these old families. You don't have new grapes. You don't have history. You don't have traditions and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So. But people underestimate that you need a lot to fill some time. You cannot. Uh, <laughs> you can't always have B film. <laughs> you need you need to have some more than than 
and you cannot go to New Zealand. Oh, you have great, you have grapes here. Why do you have that? Because we we copied that from France. That's no story. The wine is fine. That's not a problem. But the story behind it is not so interesting for a general audience. So we start thinking about what can we do because we like to visit all these places and also to go to less more unknown places like Armenia, Georgia, what we visit, and uh, Lebanon, that kind of places. Yes. So we start discussing that and we came on to the conclusion that we can do a show that tells the story of a country by wine people. So in the same time, you're still talking about wine and you visit wineries. And by example, we, we go in two weeks to South Africa. The main the main story there will be about apartheid. Yeah. History, how that started, how wine started. But the general story is about apartheid. And how it is now. So we have the black first black sommelier. And we have yeah, well, all kinds of. We have we go to the, the to the small place where Mandela made his own wine, and in Robben Island, in Georgia, we talked about uh, the cradle of wine, but also about the USSR, how they suppressed in that period. So it's yes. a mix of cultural thing. And the best maybe idea to get is how this works is to watch the shows of Anthony Baudin. It's completely different, of course. We live in another period. We have another, another host. But actually, that was a food show. But actually, it was more also a more cultural show because you visited country and, and the stories were told by, by foodies. So we let the stories now by, tell by wineries. <laughs> I, I, I think that's where you, you, your title that you are picking up, the cultural entrepreneur, comes into it. You know, it's uh, certainly with Georgian wine, Kaveri wines. When we talk about South Africa, I'm sure you're going to allude to, you know, the KWV, the mark, uh, the institution, and of course, the apartheid that uh, was prevalent there for decades. And but as, the process uh, is a way to reach an other, uh, a much bigger audience than only wine people. And maybe wine people will say it's not winey enough for us. I, we prefer the old series because it's more winey. On the other hand, it's uh, it's we have uh, we do both, and this is with the host, and it's about history and all this kind of stuff. Um, we get very because we're in a testing phase now on audience. Uh, the episode on Georgia is now is ready, and we're now doing music, but the editing is tested in. Almost everyone is very excited about it, even especially a lot naive, especially a lot of people that, that are not into wine. You know, I, I can tell you that I, I certainly am very excited to have a chance and uh, see the production that comes out of this uh, cultural um, winey series that you're producing. Because being an educator and having been in the, the world of, of wine for you know, nearly two decades, it's always been the aspect of culture, the aspect of the history and how it has molded and formulated the society around it. My, my particular expertise is one on cultural diversity and organizational culture. So that's why it holds a very special place for me, class. And uh, I know that our Asia Pacific Wine and Spirit Institute students and um, our um, followers would find uh, the material that you're producing to be of great, great interest because it very much follows with the mode and uh, the style of uh, the material that we've produced. Now, do let us know when it is ready and uh, we would love to be able to uh, help you to spread the, the good word to within our base 
And moving on from there, you know, your company, Farmhouse, it's a film and TV production house. Mm -hmm. And the write-up on your on the company says Farmhouse especially focuses on social and cultural affairs with relevant issues. So you've told us about this uh, movie that is the this, this series, which is now near the editing and it's about to be concluded. What other projects can we expect from you that will be upcoming? In the wine or in movies? Well, how about both? <laughs> now, yeah, wine, we are now in the middle of this not new show. And I have to say that is very time demanding. So I don't think we have the all three shows also going on. So I'm, I'm traveling a lot now and shooting a lot. So I have no new plans on this. I have two, I have two new plans, yeah. That's interesting. With something with yeah, two long, two long documentaries, but I, they're completely different. They're two long, serious documentaries, but I uh, will keep that a secret. And uh, this also it's why more I think more whiny, but also for the bigger audience, it's a little bit more sensational also. But I think we what what, what I like to cover from everything a little bit, and also the style, the style of the travel show is 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 gimbals. We have to. We have to go in a plane, travel light. So we made it as a kind of adventures. We have all kind. Of, we we the gimbal of or you know it's a kind of study cam the whole show. Yes, cameras. That's quite. So you unique. just use the gimbal. Yeah, no one does that yet. I don't understand. No, I I uh, I think that's remarkable. You know, when often people think of movie making, they think of trolleys. They think of these huge massive. Yeah. Uh, film. Uh, uh, film that's what we're doing with the documentaries. Actually, we have, but that is. Then we are our our races Europe because there's so much stuff we carry around that's impossible to fly. So with this new formula, we we thought well, let's also introduce a completely other style for a travel show. So we gimbaled it with three gimbals, and that's quite unique. And um, everyone uh, we have three people all gimbal different angles. So are oh, you using um, smartphones if you're using the gimbal? Now, you know, we real use real ca- real cameras and real lenses, real cinema lenses even. Right. But they are not not that kind of gimbals. It's it's still severe stuff. But um, <laughs> so everything is on, on on a very high level. But it is quite compact and movable. So we are we moving all the time. While by with the documentaries, we are. Sometimes first one hour think on the shot, how we're going to do it. It's more like movie making. Oh, and this is a bit crossover between filming and TV making. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit, bit between. But we are, uh, film-wise, I have more plans. Uh, we have some uh, light comedies, even say social, cultural affairs, uh, they are in included. Even if we do a light style film, there is something what is going on in society at the moment. Right. And we have uh, some historic films uh, lined up. And uh, it's depending on COVID and finance and how everything will go the next months and year, maybe. It doesn't look so good for the coming year. We'll see what happens. So I, I, I calculate that the next year still we cannot film normal movies. Uh, right. Uh, so we focus probably uh, on the wine stuff. But uh, yeah, so uh, we now have to for this new show we have to go to so many places and <laughs> and edit. So this so, year will be full. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, class, your life is quite extraordinary. And having so, film, so. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you're you're there. You know, you're always ready to pounce. 
you wake up one day, you're not sure which, which particular country or city you're in because you're moving so frequently. But one thing I, I wanted to ask was, you have, um, in the last few years, been filming about wine. How important, in your opinion, is um, culture and history important for those who are learning about wine? I think it's almost essential. I love wine and food. I cook myself and I have a nice wine cellar. And the, for me, it always works. How to keep it in my head is always the, the, the origin, the history and where it's from and the food they do there. And that's the way I, for my, in my head, I can connect things. So that for me, it's, it's, it's interesting, interesting. Even if you have wine from Napa, there is a kind of history behind it, a kind of idea behind it. And before I grab a wine from there, I, I, I know why I do it. Uh, I I think in general it's interesting, and I think wine in general is about storytelling. Wine is so much more than only the the liquor of the the, 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 the I don't know how I say it in English, but it's the story behind it is, is part of the whole thing. It it is. I mean, you know, when you ask most people about brandy, and you say where's the origin of the word, they don't know that it comes from your country. You know, where it was originally called Brunswick. Yeah, I didn't know either, by the way. This, uh, it was something from here, and this an English word, so that's a little bit uh, awkward. <laughs> but no, not, 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 not at all. It is very popular, but it's, it has the same origin. I didn't exactly. know. I found out lately. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, for those particular reasons, that's why we really are looking forward to your cultural series, because that is how, you know, our institute has based all our material because we feel that for students to really study about wine, they need to know the culture and the history. And as you said, it's not just the liquid, which is precisely the same thoughts that we have. Now, talking about liquor class, sitting at home, wherever home may be, if it's a hotel room or a lounge or after a long day and you've been filming, What's your wine or spirit of choice? And why? <laughs> I have no really, I have no really nothing in, in favor, actually. I, I, I like everything. And if it's good done in, on the right moment, et cetera, et cetera, it comes together. I like everything. But I never would start with a heavy wine. So I, I believe a little bit in the classic way of building up. But for the rest, uh, yeah, it's it's on a, every every occasion, every the weather, uh, the, the 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 company. Absolutely, for, the company can ask for a lot of wine, you know. And I I cannot give an answer on that, uh, unfortunately. Um, no, I th uh, I think your answer is is perfect because one of the questions that I'm always asked is, what is the best wine in the world? And for me, I I often reply, one. I've yet to try it. B, it depends on the company. And um, that, to me, is, is the most important. Who are you drinking it with? It could be a $20 wine, but the company around, it makes it much more valuable than that monetary $20. It could be the occasion. And that's where the culture and the history all starts to come together. So uh, there's no real... Class de Young wine. So no. someone. So it doesn't yesterday, matter. Yesterday I was cooking for people and um, uh -huh. I and I ended with the uh, Torkenbeer and I was lazy from Kracher, 
Okay, Prock and Berry Nast Laser. Okay. We were filming there last year during COVID, and we get uh, a lot of bottles from them. And that is, I know this is this is so honey like. I know that a lot of people never tasted it, and so I had a company that I know that they can value that, and they give them some some blue cheese with after the dinner with this. Oh yes. So I think okay, probably this is something you never taste it and uh, take a small glass and it's so overwhelming that that was a moment I thought okay let's take that bottle like that but I wouldn't do that that was the occasion you know in the build up it's not something I would take every day because it is a kind of overwhelming wine and but that's it's, so it depends I, of course they had a discussion I want to do I have so many nice old wines in the cellar but why, when do you grab them it's uh, what is the occasion, right occasion. So I think uh, special wines what I, what, that need special occasions and special company, whatever. And I like to tell the story with it uh, also, that people appreciate it also. And you're a majestic storyteller, not only in voice, but also in <laughs> film class. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm very good uh, with films. I'm very good at storytelling on film, and that, not in real life, I can assure you. But, um, well, talking I, about I, storytelling, you mentioned several times you're a storyteller, and we know stories can be comical, tragic, and dramatic. What has been your most poignant experience, and how did it change your attitude to life and that, in turn, your films? Oh, do I have to explain this? What does it mean in English? Because okay. I'm not native. Okay. What 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 is okay. what, what experience you know really changed your attitude? To, to life, the way you see it? Was it uh, a particular mentor? Was it uh, a circumstance? Something that really said, wow, this is the way I'm going to go. It really captured you. And that in turn has been a huge influence on the films that you produce. Because you are a master when it comes to filmmaking. So there is something that is within you that drives you. Yeah, as as, as you as we said, I I I, I know, never chosen filmmaking. Huh? Yes, you never <laughs> it chose happened. it, but fate it has it for you. <laughs> it happened. I think from nature, I like to tell stories, and that can be in an advertisement, that can be in uh, that can be music, can be in a theater show, and can be in a product. And I think every I think all every time you create a product. And what doesn't matter what you try to also to create a story of the product, and, and and that's what I have in common. There's nothing special what triggered me, I have to say. I've all that I became a quite young entrepreneur. That that uh -huh. can say why that was because my father became kind of blind and had problems with with the bank he worked. He was a, he was there. As, I don't know how you say it in English. He ran a bank. Yes. And then they um, could put rid of him because he couldn't read and the computers came there. And then, then they were a psy psychologist. Is that good English? Psy Psychology? Uh, psychologist. He, they yes. called him every evening to brainwash him. And as a young, as a young kid, I heard this yes. conversations and he recorded that. And uh, later they come in court, in court because he recorded it. He won, he got, he got some money. But that doesn't that he didn't tell me that. But what impressed me very much is that that he was so depending that I heard this tragic story as a young kid. I was maybe eight, nine, or ten or something. Mm -hmm. 
and it made a very big impression. I said to myself, I never will be de depending on a boss. And I didn't, I never worked one day for a boss or a company. So that's that's the only big thing in my life. I guess, okay, that changed my way of thinking about things. Well, thank you for sharing that because that really puts into perspective why you take all the little pieces together and you are able to make it into this wonderful canvas of film. And, you know, it's not often that we meet people like that. So Klaus, uh, a, a huge um, applause to you for that. And thank you. something very special. Now, we all talk about certainty. So all of us, every single person in this world, one day we must face our last day. So we, we, you know, we've read, we've heard of Marcus Aurelius, we've heard of Shakespeare, and this I hope more people would have heard of, Hendrik Willem van Loon. He wrote uh, Van Loon's Lives. I'm not sure if, you, if you've uh, read of that. But no, it's a Dutch name. It sounds it's like a Dutch, Dutch name. Yes, that's right. And, you know, Plato, we've heard men, you know, they, they talk about lives and, and history through the words and stories. So today's storytellers, we use cinematic magic, with which you are certainly one of the masters. How would you like to be remembered? Whoa, what a question. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not really a believer. I think that in 100 years, everyone is forgotten anyway. So maybe uh, it will take a few, a, few, a, few, a few years. I don't know. I have no, I have no idea. Maybe. You're very humble. You're very humble, Klaus. I mean, when I think back of the Admiral, I mean, you, you've brought back a, a story from centuries ago, right to the forefront of many. And that is a story. It's a remarkable story, which you have put onto film. So it was I, also one of the biggest projects for for a Dutch film was quite quite good big. Yes, I'm very on that one. I'm particularly very proud. We 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 did cost almost ten years the development from development to, to filming. And uh -huh. Fortunately, it was a big success in a lot of places. But uh, I don't know how to be remembered. I I was lucky. I was I could do a lot until now. I could be very productive. So, yeah, and a lot of people don't know, normal people don't know the stories behind this, you know, they don't know uh, to see the film and I think they will be more easy known the director. I don't know, if in 20, 30 years, hopefully it lives so long that I don't think people take that in consideration. But I, I think I, I, if there may be someone dives into the history at that moment and go to IMDb, whatever, that probably they will say it was quite productive. And that was, I think, myself also. I like to be productive and uh, spend my time to, to products and to, to things. And I'm not, uh, I'm not spending a lot of time on the couch for the television. I'm, I'm not watching television so much, <laughs> which is very strange, maybe. But um, No, because you create it for others to enjoy and uh, soak in all, all, all the, the, the wonderful, you know, cultural aspects that you bring to us all. I don't think that there are many filmmakers like you that bring forward, you know, their own sort of culture. Certainly the Admiral was one of them. And when we talk about um, the Dutch, people Im immediately just think of, you know, maybe um, uh, cheese, the canals, 
perhaps they, they, they may also think of, you know, the, the wonderful airport of Schiphol. But if you go back ages, you know, you've got, um, you know, South Africa, the Dutch East India Company, the, the magnificent, I would say, the, the, the historical aspect of the tulips, you know, the history, the painters, the culture that they've contributed to Western culture. No, it's quite uh, it's a lot to do about it because the Dutch who had uh, started the first uh, multinational uh, stock uh, stock company, stock market. That's, that's right. And also New York was known as New Amsterdam. Yeah, yeah it was uh, was traded by Suriname. It was, it was an original Dutch city. The Dutch were everywhere and they were together with uh, the English uh, always fighting about uh, power. It took more than 100 years. It was or the English or the Dutch. Well, we are much smaller than England, uh-huh. and a little bit the Spanish, of course, in South America. But at that period, also Holland colonized, of uh, course, a lot of places like South Africa, uh, all the Indies, but a lot of more places than you would. Um, That's right, Indonesia. Uh, Indonesia. I'm actually uh, one quarter Indonesian of that region. Ah. Yeah. So, but. I, in these days, this is a kind of uh, difficult with slavery and with all this colonization. And but the Dutch were super active, and uh, you can't see that now. If you travel to Holland, you see all everywhere old cities, and you can see in a lot of these old cities were from 1600, from the what we call the Golden Age. Yes. So yeah, in that period. Um, but it's now different. <laughs> the other, you see always in, in the history that this kind of powers, and now it's China that is the superpower. And uh, Well, you know, we, I would love to see your stories uh, on film within the next 10 to 15 years and the development and, and the topics that you are choosing. Actually, two are about uh, the Indonesians, the thing, historical movies, so... That uh, is uh, one is in his, in uh, one is in uh, from the World War Two. Uh-huh. Uh, Japanese uh, were there, and uh, the whole situation there, and how all the pe- the people from Holland and all the people that had mixed blood had to move out because the the original people couldn't. Uh, yeah, they were getting too dangerous. So it's a very complicated uh, war story, and we have. One of the biggest boats ever built in the 1500s uh, went to Batavia, and then there was uh, Berkeley. What is it doing? I don't know the English word. Anyhow, they went to Batavia, and then tried, people tried to take over that were against the VOC yes. and, and tried to start a war against that kind of piracy. And then they made a the mistake, and they went by accident to Australia. That's how Australia came on the map. And they went on a reef, and it's called in. There's a very famous book also in uh, in, UK, in in America. It's called uh, Batavia's Graveyard. Right, Batavia. And, uh, it's a very famous book. It was a very big boat, and it's, it's a replica built and still in Holland. And then they start killing each other. And when they found, no one expected that they would found, and so this, they started to bring from Jakarta what's called Batavia. Batavia, what's called Jakarta. That's today. correct, yes. They sent the boat to uh, there and um, they found them. And then from the, the people that survived, almost everyone survived the, the, the crash. Only 50 people died of the 300. There were only 40 people living because they killed each other. And uh, so that's a very famous story in, in, in history. And it's called, it's called Batavia's Graveyard. 
very cruel story how people do strange thing if there is no structure there's no structure anymore right one of the big stories in history i think so that's one on, the, on our schedule okay well i um, shall make efforts to to do some research on that class and on that note you have traveled across the different continents the countries the culture and the people and you mentioned that one of your journeys that you will be taking will take you to south africa and you'll be really exploring the country and the people and uh, we have something in common there because um apwazi we offer scholarships to an organization called black b l a c c which is the black the black seller club and uh, they are this the sort of somali association for the black population and apwazi uh, sponsors them with 100 um, courses a year uh, which which we is our way of of um, really wanting to to support uh, organizations like this so in many ways our paths have intertwined class and i hope that um, in the years to come we have the opportunity to meet in person and more importantly to sit back and enjoy a glass of wine together so i look forward to that and um sort of as a parting um question to you if there were any words of advice about taking life and really wanting to succeed what words of wisdom would you share with our listeners i would say uh, keep stay yourself stay close to yourself and work hard then on that note stay stay true to yourself true to yourself close yeah. to yourself yes that's fine and also work hard and i'm sure that while we see your successes many people don't see behind the scenes the hours the frustration the 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 euphoria that you go through and class it's been a wonderful experience having this opportunity to interview you and thank you very much indeed thank you class great. great thank you for the interview nice meeting and success with the project we we well certainly and we we thank you for your good wishes so listeners do uh, have the opportunity and look up class uh, his movies are quite remarkable and uh, they are influenced by a man that has seen an enormous amount through his lenses take care you've been listening to wine buzz podcast if you enjoyed this podcast then please leave a review or share it with a friend apwazi is an online wine and spirit institution dedicated to promoting culture and diversity through the world of education if you're looking to get started we have a free online course that we are giving out to all our listeners For more information head to apwazi.com that's a p w a s i .com <laughs>